Welcome to Elevating and Melanated, where critical thinkers can come and discuss inconvenient truths and uncomfortable knowledge. I am your host, KT the Intellect. I'm the young, handsome man, DJ the Finesse Kid. Yes, sir. We want to thank you for joining us once again with another podcast. Uh, got a lot of things to cover. Uh, very interesting time period, to say the least. But uh, before we get into that, we want to talk about, you know what I'm saying? We got some new merch. You see the shirt, you know what I'm saying? Just that Elevated and Melanated stack design, you know what I'm yeah. saying? All colors, go get that. Uh, elevatedandmelanated.com. Just hit that shop apparel link, you know, support independent media. You feel me, DJ? Yeah, my boy came in here looking crispier than Wesley Snipes and Blade 2. Oh, you man. know, he oh, came in here ready. He came, in, he came in here ready for, for the spotlight and uh, showed out. <laughs> you know, he came in here ready and showed out, so... Yeah, like he said, click the link in our bios, all bios, Elevated and Melanated, or Elevated and Melanate, you know what I'm saying, because that's yeah, yeah. what it is. No, 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 it's Melanated now, for sure. Okay, I okay. Got it, I got it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Elevated underscore Melanated everywhere. Look that up, look that up. So, Shop Apparel, baby. Shop Apparel, yes, sir. It support independent media. Now, we're going to get into this. Now, it's, like I said, it's a weird time period because it's uh, so-called Black History Month, mm-hmm. and I, uh, and uh, we so called for yeah, sure. So called or Africa is African American History Month. As, oh yeah, yeah. As Donald Trump changed it to uh, yeah. a few years ago, uh, we gonna uh, get into the misnomers and uh, the misconceptions that uh, this type of month can uh, breed into people. But also, before we get into article, I want to talk on the the corporatization of so called Black History Month. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Every corporation running commercials. Everybody doing black, green, and, and, and red uh, little little adverts and yeah. stuff. You know what I'm saying? All this, and uh, I hope the indigenous people of the land, the so-called black people, understand this is just a, an attempt to uh, to get money out of you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? To a gender, uh, a reli- uh, uh, not a religious, an emotional connection with the corporation yep. by trying to tell you about your heritage that they're not giving you the truth anyways. But but that's what this is all about, to, you know what I'm saying, to corporatize everything. Because it is a corporate month, it's a corporate holiday, you know what yeah. I'm saying, by the, uh, the U.S. corporation, United States corporation. So all of this is corporate, you know what yeah. I'm saying? This is not organic, this is not natural. All of this is corporatized to uh, push you further and further away from your homeland, which is America. So this African American History Month, that got you identifying with two different continents. No other people in the world do that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And you're not identifying with the nation specifically. But we're we going to get into that, you know what's, what I'm saying? What's interesting is uh, a lot of us just haven't put two and two together. Like, it's are we African, are we black? And then not only that, understanding, like you said, our, these corporations tell us about ourselves, you know? So nobody puts the two and two together like, hmm, there's something not adding up here. What, what are we? Who are we? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's how, how it goes. Like, like you said, the emotional ties make us speed up our lifetime, making us think that we have to go so fast and not focus on the things that we should be focusing on, like our, like you said, our actual heritage and where we come from, who we are, and uh, how to make real decisions like our ancestors did. You exactly. Know? So today we're going to talk about uh, quote-unquote Black Wall Street, right, which the original name was, was coined Negro Wall Street, which was by uh, W.B. Du Bois, if I'm not uh, mistaken, which was a Skull and Bones member, you know, one of your founders of these Greek black fraternities out here. But uh, that's not neither here nor there right now. That's where that original term comes from. And originally it was Negro Wall Street because at the time in the 1910s and 1920s, uh, the indigenous people of the land did not identify as a color, did not identify as black. That was almost, almost seen as a, uh, an insult just to call somebody black 100 years ago. Like, yeah. That wasn't their, there wasn't their identity. And also, too, I want to touch on uh, how do you uh, deculturalize people? How do you denationalize people by subverting their heritage and subverting the, the history of the, of the land? So, uh, but yes, because uh, recently, about a year or two ago, they uh, made the Watchmen series on HBO. 
And that was probably one of the most uh, graphic depictions of what happened in uh, uh, so-called Black Wall Street. And uh, we're going to touch on uh, what spurred that. Because people, they want to say it's just racism and stuff. Racism is a very low understanding of colonialism. If we understand what colonialism is, then we can really understand what's at the root of this, which is taking the land and, and um, destroying the heirs of the land so that they could hold on to the land. So, by force or by any means? Oh, by any means. I mean, at the time, it was by any means. Now you could say it's more it's more deception. Like co- coercing people? Yeah, yeah. Back back then, it was real war tactics. Like, you yeah. know, they were dropping bombs from planes on this. If you ever heard the song, this is a, gr- a good one. You ever heard the song, they dropped a bomb on me. Yeah. But yeah, so this is about yeah. Black Wall Street. Okay. That's where that, that's where that, uh, that term comes from. Wow. Yeah, the, uh, I forget the, the lead singer. But uh, the, even the group was named after yeah. a, a section of Black Wall Street, named after the neighborhood, uh, yeah. Greenwood. So uh, Charlie Wilson, right? Was it Charlie Wilson? Yeah. That might have. I don't. I gotta. I don't want. I don't want to be Gap wrong. Band. Yeah, the Gap. Yeah, it was yeah. the Gap Band. Yeah. And, there, and the GAP came, comes from the uh, the uh, neighborhood that Black Wall Street was named. Uh, uh, it's Greenwood something yeah, it was, something. But we don't yeah, get it into Charlie it. It's in the article. Uh, real quick before we get into that. Um, well, I mean, you, like you said, we're gonna get into the um, article, but with. Their war tactics, do they not consider, I mean, I say they, I mean, whoever, obviously, was into the colonialism, mm-hmm. um, did they ever consider the karmic backlash for that? Or was it more so like, um, hey, we're focused on our future, what we got going on, and, you know, this is just what's important? I mean... What would you think on that case? Uh, that's interesting, the karmic backlash. So, then uh, that's the thing about uh, Christianity uh, and its use in colonialism and the use of the cross and everything. Uh, the Pope and every and even Protestants, the Protestants are just protesting daughters of the of the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. they're under the Catholic Church, even though they may seem separate. Mm. Uh, they were absolved of their sins through the Pope. Like the Pope said, like, God ordained. Like, that's what Manifest Destiny is all about. Mm. Like, God ordained for the Caucasian race to take over the rest of the land. And so whatever they have to do to the non-believers or the heathens or the savages, uh, you know what I'm saying, is, is uh, ver- not verified, it's... Uh, Vindicated, like or, you know what I'm saying, or rationalized. Of, okay. Yeah, so that's how they rationalize the way that. So well, it's kind of like telling people, "Hey, you got to go to war here. You got to fight for this, this, and that." When you know, realistically, right. they don't they don't have anything to do with them. Right. Because if you tell somebody that like, uh, uh, the Savior died for your sins, and so all you have to do is believe in Him, and your sins don't matter, mm-hmm. then the idea of a karmic backlash or, or going against natural law, that's not something that's really on your mind because gotcha. you're feeling like you've already absolved of all your wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Because this has already been ordained, like manifest destiny was real. Like they really thought that this was their land to take over. You know what I'm saying? Mm, and I, you know okay. what I'm saying? So, yeah. but yeah, we're gonna get into uh, ideological subversion, uh, heritage subversion, you know, cultural subversion, all of that. Like, how do you deculturalize the people? You change their identities and you rewrite history. So we're gonna get into this uh, this article now. This is from uh, Elena E. Roberts. She's an assistant professor of history at the University of Pittsburgh, and we're gonna get into how these universities. Uh, there's there they uh the main driving factor in changing people's history the main and the main driving factor in revealing true history is all about uh what perspective you go into those institutions with and 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 uh and how you're looking at the history if you go in with the wrong perspective you're going to assume certain things that we're going to get into right now so it says remembering the history of quote-unquote Black Wall Street. The story of prosperity of black communities in Tulsa, Oklahoma is incomplete without discussing their roots. So 
It starts off, uh, it has an image, right, of the town on fire, of the, or the district of Tulsa on fire. Uh, in this 1921 image provided by the Library of Congress, smoke billows over Tulsa, Oklahoma. For decades, when it was discussed at all, the killing of hundreds of people in a prosperous black business district in 1921 was referred to as the Tulsa race riot. Under new standards developed by teachers for uh, approaching the topic, students are encouraged to consider the differences between labeling a massacre instead of a riot, as it is still uh, commemorated in state law. So she goes on. When HBO's TV series Watchmen of 2019 and Lovecraft Country of 2020 splashed across our screens, recreating the historical event now known as the Tulsa Massacre, Americans of all races were flabbergasted that a story so brutal, so significant, had been seemingly lost to history. Few had known the details of the mass killing of black people by white mobs and what at that time thought to be the wealthiest black community in the United States. Now, I do want to stop there real quick uh, just um, and talk about how this became the wealthiest community in the United States yeah. and what was going on in Oklahoma. Like, how did so many Negro people, you know what I'm saying, end up in Oklahoma? Yeah. Now, if most you, people don't know, right? Exactly. Now, if you look at the uh, the Indian Removal Acts, the, the Trail of Tears, they were taking people from the southeastern part of the United States and, and forcibly moving them to so-called Indian Territory, which was uh, uh, Oklahoma. Now, if we look at where Tulsa sits on the map, I have it pulled up here. If we look at where Tulsa sits on the map, I zoom in, Tulsa sits uh, right on the, uh, the Choctaw Reservation, on the Muscogee, the Smoke, Muscogee uh, Nation, excuse me. And, uh, but there's five uh, Indian nations, and they just won a Supreme Court case where they won this land back, and they have like, complete jurisdiction over this land. And I'll get into that case. We'll do a whole episode on that case. But yeah, in, in Oklahoma, you have the Muscogee Nation, you, ha you have the Cherokee Nation, you have the Choctaw Nation, you have the Seminole Nation, and you have the uh, uh, Osage uh, Nation, right? So these nations, uh, they, were, they were put there, they were set up, because as they were uh, forcibly removing people from uh, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, Tennessee. These are the ma majority places where they were moving Aboriginal people to these Western Indian lands. And that's what sprung up Tulsa. That's why Tulsa was created in, in Oklahoma, because all the Aboriginal people that, that were being forcibly removed from their, uh, from their ancestral lands were being brought to Tulsa so they, so they understood commerce, because these are people who were doing treaties, these are people who were doing contract law, there lawyers there, bankers, you know, all types of uh, businessmen were located in Tulsa mm. because of the thriving Aboriginal community that was there thanks to the, uh, or I shouldn't say thanks to, unfortunately, because the Indian Removal Acts. Mm. That's how Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma even sprang up. That wow. is what's never discussed. You, you know what I'm saying? Wow. It's not a it's not a mistake that if I look up Tulsa, it's right in the middle of the of the Creek Nation, the Muscogee Nation. Is these are not coincidences, and these are things that are not hinted on because if you uh, the so-called Black people in America truly understood that they were heirs to the land, then they can get a lot of the land back, and then they can understand commerce. They've been moving in a and uh, in truth, you know what I'm saying? They've been moving with uh, more purpose. And it, not to say, like, stop war against our own, you know? Yeah. Like, which is one of the biggest, you know, reasons, our biggest things, I should say, for us, concerns that so many of us melanated brothers take each other out before, you know, even coming together and 
uh, understanding right. our real heritage, you know, right. or the, how similar we are. Right, the tribalism, because that's, that's, yeah. that's all we're seeing on the streets right now. It's just tribalism, right? People fighting for, for their respect, really, because most of them don't own nothing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But if they understood from this perspective that their great-grandfathers, their great-grandmothers were o- owners to the land mm. and heirs to the land, they were the actual landlords, they would, they would start thinking with a different mindset, like, why am I paying a landlord every month? When my grandma got land in, in Alabama, in yeah. Oklahoma, in Tennessee, and in, in Georgia, that I haven't looked at, I haven't thought about. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people, a lot of people in these in these big, uh, especially black people in these big hoods, like these big cities, two, they're two or three generations removed from from being landowners, and, and that's what's being uh, obfuscated right now. They want to disconnect you from the land for you to identify as African American, and we're gonna get into that, uh, later in the in the. Uh, in this article, how they recognize the native heritage of, of, of black people, but they but they superseded with the with a, uh, African heritage that cannot be proven through paperwork or, gene- or genealogy. Mm. It's just they're assuming you're you're African through a phenotype, and as we know, the world was populated by melanated people before any other phenotype existed. So that assuming that somebody is from Africa because of their phenotype, it's just it's just immature and it's, it's uneducated. You know what I'm saying? But to go on with what she's saying, after co- the collective shock, multiple projects were born from originators such as NBA superstars LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, as well as Dream Hampton, uh, executive producer Surviving R. Kelly, all aiming to tell the story of black economic uh, success torn asunder by white racism. Like I said, they keep saying racism, you know what I'm saying? They keep using these terms, black, white. Instead of using the terms of nationality, like, you know what I'm saying, like Aboriginal, Indigenous, Choctaw, Cherokee, like their actual tribal names, or even with uh, white people, there aren't, white people do not exist. There are people with different na- uh, nationalities in America, or they're English, you know what I'm saying, French, Irish, Swedish, German, Irish, you know what I'm saying? So even the way we talk, the way this article was written, is to totally uh, uh, obfuscate the r- true history of America and make everything black and white, and then give you a, a slave story and disconnect you from the land. So that so as it goes on, but as in often the case, history is more complex than it seems. Why are there so many African Americans, uh, African Americans in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the turn of the 20th century? Why were they able to become so successful in a period of time, the late 1800s and early 1900s, known for the collapse of uh, Reconstruction and the rise of Jim Crow? As I discussed in my book, I've been here all the while, black freedom on native land, the story of Tulsa neighborhood known as Black Wall Street is incomplete without the knowledge of its inception as a Creek Indian town populated by the black former slaves of Creek women and, and men. Now that's where I want to stop. This is where this is how they this is how they, they, they mess with our minds. For they for you to be part of the Indian nation, they may want you to believe you were a slave of that Indian nation. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That the that the red man or the or the um, more mongoloid people that are in America that are native to Siberia, they came here before Caucasians, but not before Aboriginals. They want you to think that they were your slave masters. That the only way you have ties to this land, the only way you have indigenous heritage is through being a slave. And that's a story they keep trying to force down your your throat. And that and that's what that's where I get. You know what I'm saying? I get annoyed because... Passionate. You know what I'm saying? Because they tell you right now, it was an exception, it was a Creek Indian town, but the only way you could be a part of it is as a slave, not a landowner. You know what I'm saying? Not the originator, not the, the original American, as we broke down in previous podcasts. But that this is how this happens. This is how people's uh, history and their culture and their nationality is played with. You know what I'm saying? So she goes on. 
Uh, the freedom used the land, uh, the free people used the land they had received through the American government to build a prosperous life for themselves, attracting African Americans from the United States who built upon the existing black native landscape. You know what I'm saying? That black native landscape. Black means nothing, and native means like a native subject to a, a foreign empire. Like these, I'm saying these terms are not the correct terms to be using for people who are who understand civics, who understand contract law, and understand true history. And this is how they're able to uh, to uh, play with people. This is how they're able to manipulate people. While we're on that, um, what would you recommend people, or where would you recommend people even start to even? make kind of sense of of everything of their heritage right well first of all uh, you want to talk to the oldest people in your family the great grandmas the great aunties the great uncles the great grandfathers you know what i'm saying right you want to get their stories you know what i'm saying and record them you know what i'm saying i've recorded conversations i'm having my great grandmothers what they tell me about the, you know what i'm saying their tribal heritage my mother's side is cherokee my father's side is choctaw you know what i'm saying now we can get into the aboriginal names like shirashki and washita shabtaw and what you know what i'm saying and what uh the, not the anglicized version, because the Choctaw and Cherokee are anglicized versions of the original tribal names. But you want to get these people's stories. You know what I'm saying? You want to talk to your family. That's where you want to start. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then you can get on the get into census. You know what I'm saying? Start tracking your family back using that uh, through genealogy, and that, that's how you can really find out who you are and who your people are. But talk to your family first, and don't listen to the. You know what I'm saying? Like don't just go to school. And it feeds you with a slave narrative, you know what I'm saying? And you think you came from slavery because you may go back in the census and, and may look and nobody came off a boat, you know what I'm saying? Because that's the case that happened with me, and I um, helped other people, you know what I'm saying, with their with their genealogy, and that was the same case for them. So Myself, it, my, myself included, yeah. yeah so, you know what I'm saying? So, like, we just got to uh, be more diligent and uh, and, and, um, and trust our oral traditions. This is another thing I want to get on, too. So if your great-grandma said one thing, but your the school said another, who do you believe? So your great-grandma said you, you Indian, you black Indian, you Cherokee, Blackfoot, whatever she said, right? If she said that, and you go to school, and they said that all your people are from Africa, who do you believe? That's, a, that's another thing about colonialism. They want you to obfuscate your oral tradition for, for the written word of a foreigner. So, like, that's, a, that's, that's what we have to understand, too. So that oral tradition is very, very important. Like, you know what I'm saying? As, especially as we move further and further into time. Is that, we, how, um, is that how it's always been done throughout, throughout history, just by oral tradition? Oh, no, or, yeah, then, there's writings for sure. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Many books were burned, you know what I'm saying? But we, there's still indigenous aboriginal writings all over America in caves, on the sides of mountains, you know what I'm saying? Carved right. stone, all types of stuff, hieroglyphics. All that exists in America. Right. I'm just saying that, like... Uh, where where the average you know what I'm saying black person can start you know what I'm saying is talking mm -hmm. to their family right. you know what I'm saying because a lot of people there's a generational gap there's a big generational gap between like you know the baby boomers and like the millennials or the or, or the or the generation Z you know yeah. what I'm saying and there's they're a, not respecting the the pre our elders unfortunately as well exactly. or just their our oral tradition I should say exactly you know what I'm saying so so to move on right. Today marks the 100th anniversary of the massacre and is worth getting its broader history right as we celebrate our new awareness of its unfortunate continued relevance to our modern movement. In the late 1820s and early 1830s, members of the Cherokee Nation embarked on a now infamous Trail of Tears, their forced disposition from the lands in Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee. That Cherokee people that uh, had called home for millennia they were not alone. So now I want to touch on this. She so touched on the Trail of Tears, right? So where are these people coming from? Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee. 
Now, my great-grandma that told me her grandmother spoke Cherokee, she's from Tennessee, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And she looks just, you know what I'm saying, just like me. So there's, it's, it's something to think about, like, if, if we look at those areas now, that's in the black belt. So if you, if you don't know what the black belt is, you can Google something called the racial dot map. They, the, uh, different regions of the country have very different demographics. And if you understand that, you can understand that the, the states that she's talking, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee, are, are very uh, melanated states, you know what I'm saying, where, where a lot of so-called black people live. Would you say that um, the, the colonialists, I, I guess you would say, um, would, you, would you say that they, you know, made us... Or they took us away from our history to think, hey, more light people are, are Indian and then more black people are black from Africa? Oh, no, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm getting at. They, uh, they changed our identities and made you think that only one phenotype existed in the Americas before colonization. That like only the Pocahontas, yeah, right? only the, and even that, the true Pocahontas looks like a Negro woman. We're going to get into that. But, like, we talk about, like, especially in the western United, parts of the United States where the majority of what we look at as a Native American, a, a Hollywood Native American, they were majority west of the Mississippi, and there wasn't as many of them. Even if we look at the census now, there's only about 3 million uh, Native Americans, but there's only 50 million uh, black people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's because Native Americans were here, but they were had smaller numbers and smaller tribes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they were not the originators of the land. I can go, I can Google Siberian Native Americans, I mean, si Native Siberians right now, and they have the they have the same culture, they have the same wardrobe, they have the, some of the same rituals as so-called Native Americans here in America. You know what I'm saying? So we have to understand, I've, to get rid of the true landowner, which was the majority of the population, they obfuscated the the uh, the land to somebody else. They you know, trying to make them the landowner, like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what the five civilized tribes was about. Those tribes were made up of mostly mulatto, mixed, red people. You know what I'm saying? Who were taking trying to take ownership of the entire land, which they didn't have the right to do so. But the federal government recognized them because they were their mixed offspring, mm -hmm. and that's how they were able to uh, get land. It's a it's one big land grab. You know what I'm saying? So that's very important to understand. Right. So she goes on. A small uh, number of these tribal members brought with them enslaved black women and men who helped ease their burden, performing physical labor and other tasks. So like I said, that's what they want you to believe. By 1860, these enslaved people, which will make up approximately 15% of the Cherokee Nation, members of four other slave-holding uh, Indian nations, the Creek, Chickasaw, Choctaw, and Seminole Nations, made a similar journey to what was then known as Indian Territory, territory part of modern-day Oklahoma. As members of all five nations fought on both sides of the Civil War in 1866, the United States retaliated by forcing these nations to free enslaved people, provide them all rights and privileges of citizenship, and give them land allotments. And I want to say here that, like, the citizenships they're talking about are, to, are for federally recognized tribes. That doesn't mean, like, they're the only tribes in America. That means other tribes that are federally recognized by the federal government or the invading government. Right, in which we already explained the U.S. is a, is a corporation yeah. as well, so it's not like an actual country. Right, exactly. And, that, and back then it was monarchies. Right. These are kingdoms invading, you know what I'm saying? And they're choosing which tribes to recognize for reasons we, we're going to see right now, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because maybe they're not the, the true landowners of the majority of the land in America. Which is why they wanted to do war tactics as yeah. a... Oh, yeah, that's how, that's how you take over a land, conquest. Like, even in the congressional record, like, they admit, like, America was won through conquest. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, 
uh, Creek freed people, those formerly enslaved by Creeks, settled in various areas, many stay in what will become Tulsa to create towns and communities, some all black and others interracial. In the late 1890s, oil was discovered by white Americans, and Tulsa increasingly became a hub for spectators, bringing uh, many American settlers. As free people, Creek freed people voted in tribal elections, served as tribal representatives, and built schools and churches for themselves. At the same time, in the United States, after the highs of the 1870s, African Americans found themselves with decreased federal support and the, excuse me, in the realization of their right to vote and live unmolested. When they looked west, they saw the land, uh, annuity payments, and rights black people and Native nations had, and they wanted it for themselves. Yeah, so they're trying to make you believe that you had to uh, force yourself into somebody else's nation, that you didn't have a nation of your own. Uh, they came in droves, brought by newspaper editorials, advertisements, and in person, appealed by town promoters. Per the 1894 and 1910 U.S. Census, between 1890 and 1907, the population of Indian Territory increased from 19,000 to 80,000. The presence made Oklahoma the American state with, with the most towns created and populated by African Americans referred to as all black towns. White life was not perfect, as black Southerner Mildred Robertson put it. My people formerly lived down at the bottom of Mississippi, close to uh, Louisiana. They had a little more freedom in Oklahoma. Right, so, yeah, so it just so happens that the only way that most black towns pulled up is because it's that you were slaves of Aboriginal nations, not that you are <laughs> the Aboriginal yeah. nations. You was going to say something? Oh, no, I was just, I was listening to your, to your... For sure. So he says, uh, some black families made it big, like Titan and serial and entrepreneur and financier O.W. Gurley, while others established comfortable mid-class mid lifestyles for themselves, catering to their fellow black Tosins with auto repair shops, grocery stores, roaming houses, and dentist officers, uh, dentist offices, among other businesses, creating one of the wealthiest black locales in the country, hence the term Black Wall Street. Some white Tosins did not like this, and jealousy was clearly present. So like, no matter what, man, we can't break them down. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So <laughs> though, racial, uh, though racial violence was not a huge issue uh, until after Oklahoma statehood in 1907, in 1921, what began with a black teenager named Dick Rowland staring, uh, sharing an elevator with a white woman, prompting her to scream, and went white Tolsons, including law enforcement, burning down buildings, and indiscriminately shooting women, men, and children. Dick Rowland was a spark, but there was much more kindling than it proceeded. Now, I've heard different accounts of what really uh, popped it all off, that Dick Rowland was just a, a patsy, like, he's just an excuse. Because yeah. they want to make it seem like this is all emotional, like, right. oh, white people are jealous. Like, no, that's, like, you know what I'm saying? That's not what it is. Like, like you said, it was Black Wall Street. There was gold in them banks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Was, that's, that's what they what never comes, touch comes, on. Comes down uh, why to is it called Black, why is it called Wall Street? There are banks on Wall Street. And, and, it's, you know, and this is before the Federal Reserve note. Like, you know what I'm saying? There was gold in them banks. That's what was taken. That's what Story told time and time again. I feel like they created a bunch of facades just to make us, like you said, emotional and not want to focus on what this was really about, the land and obviously the gold, because that's what they really wanted. Right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, and the infrastructure, you having your own economic power base. It's you know already set up kind of deal. It, it, and it's like the easiest way to uh, make more money is to widen your, your market. Like, you know what I'm saying? So through integration, they in integrated the black people's, like, economy into their own economy like mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying if you have your own economy you're just a, you're just a, a more powerful people especially if 
you're creaking, you're aware of your nationhood, you're aware, right. you know what I'm saying, of who you are. Like, you live in an elevated and melanated mind state. <laughs> exactly, you know what I'm saying? So she ends the article with, African Americans flocked to Tulsa because of the lives and opportunities they saw. Creek freed people and other black uh, people formerly enslaved by Indians and joined. In Indian territory, they were free from some of the reefs of white supremacy in a space where tribal governments reigned. This was the specific context that made Black Wall Street possible. But the Tulsa massacre was a grim reminder that whatever white settlers went, so did their angle, anger at black success and really black existence. And uh, maybe some truth to that, that statement at the end. But really, like I said, it's all about, it's really mostly about land and who's in control of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they may not like you because of your color, but really back then it was because you were in charge of the land and they wanted the land. Like, you know what I'm saying? So... That's something to understand, too. But, yeah, settler colonialism is the result or, like, is the, the uh, spark that led to all of this. And it's not just, like, oh, they're jealous or they, oh, they're living great. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but it was really about what's the infrastructure in Wall Street, in Black Wall Street. That's what they wanted, and that's what, that's what they were able to get through, through uh, war tactics. Question, because all these, you know, tribes were together, um, was it that them together just weren't as powerful as the colonialists or the way that, that these bankers are, were, were set up together or well, yeah. I, what, what led to what, what I'm saying is what led to the, the destruction of, of right yeah they have, they have better weapons you know what I'm saying okay. uh, was it that we didn't want to fight back uh, certain I, tactics or? no I mean no people fall back I just I just think when you have the federal government, because you understand there were law enforcement people dropping bombs from helicopters. Right. So they had the backing of the federal government, which was just more powerful than the aboriginal nations at the time. That's really what it is. So if they're able to, like you said, they were shooting men, women, and children indiscriminately, dropping dynamite, all this other stuff. If you don't got dynamite, you don't got the same amount of guns, the same amount of manpower, right. or even the same amount of bloodlust. You're not. The bloodlust is what I think. I mean, obviously, no, from my opinion, seems like. Um, what it, what it might be, um, because if we're you know united as a people, stronger as people, uh, or stronger together, I should say, um, I would just think that to some degree it's like man, like I'm just trying to live peacefully with my people, my tribe. You know what I'm saying? Doing do what we got to do. Focus on us. But when you have other people from the outside, white or you know any or not white, but just any different you know tribe, um, it seems like it would be easier for them to want to take some take some people out. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, if your existence is dependent on, like, you know what I'm saying, another set of people not being in control, you're going to do everything you can to depower them, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But I do want to jump into something else real quick. So, real quick, this is uh, Silas Jefferson, right? Uh, a black, in quotation marks, Creek soldier, right? So I want to talk about him. So this is talking about uh, they were African slaves, right? Well, this man was a chief, and this man darker than all of us, you know what I'm saying, with hair, you know what I'm saying, woolier than mine. So they're going to talk about, I'm going to get into his life story and how they try to, like, play with his backstory. But uh, this man rose to the prominent spots of of uh, the Creek Nation, and he passed away before uh, Black Wall Street was uh, the Tulsa Massacre. He passed away, like, 20 years before that or 30 years before that, but only, like, 20 miles from Tulsa. Like, so we're going to get into him, you know what I'm saying? You see the man face, you feel me? The dark-skinned brother, you feel me? Like, so we're going to get into him. So the birth of Silas Jefferson in 1835 is celebrated on this date. He was an African native soldier and politician of the Creek tribe in America. So I'm going to stop there. So he was born in America. He's a politician of the Creek tribe in America, but they felt it to, uh, necessary to put African in front of native. 
This is what I mean, how they play with your identity. He's born in America and a chief in, in, in an American tribe, but you're still trying to call him African, African. because of his phenotype. This is, this, is, this is the game they play. So uh, born at Tuskegee Town, yeah, yeah, that Tuskegee, an old Creek nation. We gonna, why, where you get the word, think the word Tuskegee comes from? You know what I'm saying? That's a Creek word. But uh, his parents were uh, Betsy and, and Jeffrey Manack, also known as uh, Wynn Clan Chief. Uh, Jefferson migrated with his parents to the Creek lands in the Indian Territory in 1838. During the American Civil War, he enlisted in the 1st Indian Home Guard Regiment. So he fought he, in the Indian Nation as a child. He fought in the 1st Indian Home Group, and they still want to call him African. This is the games they play. After the war, he became involved in politics. He served several terms in the Creek House of Warriors, representing Tuskegee Town. He also served as one of the chief Loka Hoka uh, advisors. He was uh, Creek chief in 1875 and impeached and removed from office in 1876 by the Creek Council. In 1879, Jefferson ran as candidate for the second chief on the Loyal Party ticket. From 1882 to 1883, during the Green Peach War, Jefferson abandoned the Loyal Party after his followers took up arms against the Creek constitutional government. I wonder why. People were <laughs> telling you, like, they put two tribes into the same thing. They put the so-called red tribe and the so-called black tribes into the same, and they're trying to recognize the so-called red tribes and not the black tribes. So there's, up there's upheaval in the nation, you know what I'm saying? After the outbreaks that summer, he worked to bring the warring factions together. He remained involved in Creek politics until a tribal dissolution in 1906. Now, tribal dissolution, what happened to his tribe? What happened to that section of the Creek Nation? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go on. He also served as the, one of the principal informants regarding Creek culture and religion for anthropologists John Swanston and Frank Speck when they were collecting information on Creek life for the Smithsonian Institute in the early 20th century. Silas, died, uh, Silas Jefferson died in 1913 near Beggs, Oklahoma. So he, he died seven years before the uh, Oklahoma Tulsa riots. But Beggs, Oklahoma, as I have here pulled up, as you can see, right in the middle of the Muscogee Nation and just uh, 15, 20 miles away from Tulsa, south of Tulsa. So this is, uh, we, there's a couple of things that we learned here. You know, uh, how to read articles how to, and, and decipher for your ancestry, right. how to read between the lines. Because they're telling you the truth here, but they're trying to give you that African spin, that black spin, that denationalized spin. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was a chief, a politician, a warrior, a soldier, all under the, the uh, tribe of uh, Creek or, or Indian in case of the, uh, the Home Guard Regiment. And they still want to start that he's African native. And like I said, both of those words are not the words you want to use because most of us ain't never been to Africa. And native, like I said, native, it just means native subject to a foreign empire. You want to be identifying, identifying as Aboriginal, Indigenous, or your tri more Hebrew, tribe. Israelite, whatever you want to do. Go ahead. What, or I'm saying your, your tribe, what is yeah, actually... Yeah, really your tribe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You want to talk to your family and get, that, get your tribal names because... How can, how can uh, people... Go I was going to ask you, how can people get free of, you know, like that kind of... Uh, that mind state. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a great question. Well, there's, uh, I'll, I'll leave in the description of this box different websites people can go to and uh, to get more information on uh, how to get, like, indigenous identification, how to get uh, their indigenous IDs, get your passport as a non-citizen U.S. national. Like, all these things are, are available, and, and I'll, but I'll leave some links in the description. And also, too, like, we're going to set up some consultation. I know we've been playing 
not playing. We're just setting up a lot of things. Yeah, and so prepared, those are coming. We're preparing, you know, getting the bullets up, like you said. You know right. what I'm saying? Some things you got to be ready for war tactics instead. Because not to say we're not our ancestors in a dis disrespectful way. I mean, you know, we're just being prepared in, in other ways before, um, you know, other things take place. Exactly, exactly. So and there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here, you know what I'm saying? But really... uh. I think what most people should take away from this, especially if you're uh, confused about your ancestry and your heritage, you need to go talk to the elders in your family. You need to humble yourself, you know what I'm saying, and really get their perspective on life, get their, what their uh, come up was when they were growing up, you know what I'm saying, what their grandparents told them. Because if you could talk to your great-grandma, think about if your great-grandma spoke to her great-grandma when she was little. Now you're reaching back five, six generations. Right. But in the in the next coming years, these baby boomers are getting older. The silent generation is almost basically gone. So you want to get to these elders, you know what I'm saying, while they're still here, before those stories are gone. You know what I'm saying? So before, that way we can pass it on forward, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and start moving in truth, which is the most important. Yeah, and correct your status. Get out of that U.S. citizenship. You know what I'm saying? That U.S. citizenship is nothing but a corporate citizenship. You know what I'm saying? You want to get back to your aboriginal nations, you feel me? Or or for uh, our Caucasian viewers, you want to get back to your statehood. You know what I'm saying? All the 50 states are individual states. They're individual countries that come in, that came into a confederation. But, like... But you're a citizen of the state you're born in. And what would you say to people who think it's like cool to talk about their tribal, you know, their tribal or their ancestry going back to Africa or I'm black and I'm proud? What would you say to uh, people about just, the, who, who are of that mindset? What would you say to that? Uh, I would ask you how much proof you have. I would ask you what, what leg work you've done. Mm. I would ask you wh what do you understand about civics and, and nationhood and like and human rights? And are those are those African countries or those tribes that you're claiming to be a part of, are they recognizing you and giving you full citizenship? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because the Aboriginal nations of America, you can give full citizenship. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they want black people to return to the, their original status. But you're talking about a tribe that you may or may not have come from or descended from 300 years ago, where if we go back into your ancestors, if we go back five generations, you got like 32 great-great-grandparents or 64 great-great-grandparents. Like, the majority of them are not going to be from Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like Would you say our ancestors might have, like, looked out for us or they passed our way down to us that... I guess if the situation was to ever happen like this, they gave us an out to escape. The oh, yeah, it's in the Constitution. You know, Indians not taxed, you know what I'm saying? Indians not supposed to be on the census. Like, there are things written for us. It's just we're not identifying as the correct terms. So you cannot get those aboriginal uh, benefits. And the term Indian in the uh, federal government, in the definition, is aboriginal American, you know what I'm saying? So Indian may not be a term that a lot of people like to use because it may bring up different phenotypes, but in terms of their classification you know what i'm saying indians are aboriginal to america right and i'm gonna just say like which kind of ties into the article um like you know black wall street all of us kind of come together we're still the most successful so us you know still claiming our heritage our actual tribal her heritage our ancestry um and we can still come together essentially oh yeah you know what i'm saying and like and really and i want to say another thing too don't don't be so juvenile to think you could just work with anybody that has the same color as you like, you need to get with people who have the same ideologies. You need to get people who have the like minds. You know what I'm saying? That's what I see a lot of this going on. Like, oh, you're black, I'm black, we can work together. If we don't have the same ideology, we can't work together. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, you need to find people who are like-minded, and that's what tribes are all about. Mm. Not every, just because you're in the same tribe doesn't mean you're necessarily blood-related. A soul tribe. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all can form tribes based off, you know what I'm saying, mm. being aboriginal to the, the entire continent, and then who has the same like-minded ideals. 
You know what I'm saying? So that that's something I want to touch on too. You know what I mean? Some boule ass niggas out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't work, I ain't working with no fraternity ass niggas. No. You know? <laughs> you sorority ass bitches. I'm cool. <laughs> cool off that. They be loud. So, yeah, all that screaming. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. cool off these stomping around doing this fake shit. Yeah. I'm cool off that. You know what I'm saying? Because if people understood what they was really in, you know what I'm saying? They might they might. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Get out of those organizations as fast as possible. That and their ancestors might come out, man. Yeah. Sheesh. You know what I'm saying? But turn to the grave, as they say. But yeah, man. So that's what we're touching on today. The uh, the true origin of a Negro or so called Black Wall Street being made by Aboriginals who were forced off one part of the land into another part of the land, and how they were able to build themselves up. And I want you to ask yourself this: Would our former slaves? who know nothing about the land, who know nothing about civics, would they be able to set up governments, set up towns? They want you to think that people were slaves. And even the term slave, like, this just mean first forced labor, but they want you to think that there were slaves from somewhere else who knew nothing. They were the masons of the country. They were the farmers of the country. They understood a lot of the inner workings of the country. Most of the historical buildings in these downtowns were built by them. So when you say when you have the term slave, a lot of people they see they think of somebody that knows nothing, they think of somebody who's ignorant. When really they just might be colonized forced to work but they're very smart they understand civics they understand architecture they understand the seasons they understand how to grow things you know what i'm saying so mm. we got to understand and, and read through the minutiae of these words because even the term slave comes from slav which if you look into the historical record slavic people were the slaves of the roman empire for hundreds of years so that's what that term is just synonymous with really employee you know what i'm saying but really forced labor but because a lot of these employees now are voluntary slaves if you're an employee you're a voluntary slave like you know what i'm saying and this all comes back to the roman empire man with their conquests essentially exactly. just keeping you know different corporations and passing around and yeah what's the church called the roman catholic church you know what i'm saying rome has been on its conquering tip for over two thousand years now you feel me and uh and they and you really at this point in time uh, the only re way you're being touched by them is if you voluntarily want to be in this country. In right. other countries, in, the, in this country, yeah, a little for harder. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But in this country, okay, like, you, the, yeah, really, it's a, America's a, the, the beacon for freedom in the world. Like, you know what I'm saying? The American Constitution is a beacon for freedom in the world. And the American Constitution, like I said, was based on what? Aboriginal Constitution. So the ideals of the Aboriginal people of America is the beacon for freedom in the world if we have to get back to those ideals of a republic, you know what I'm saying? Because democracy is not mentioned in the, in the uh, Constitution. It's a republic. The, the government works for us. But as long as we're identifying as U.S. citizens up under a, a corporation, then we work for that federal corporation. And that's where things get, you know what I'm saying? A little that's, dicey. Yeah, that's where, yeah, a little dicey. That's a little you, dicey. That's you, can roll, you, can play, you can roll the dice with them if you want to. Exactly. I'm cool. Not, not, over, <laughs> not over here. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So any last words you got for them, DJ? Uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out the links that he's going to post um, as far as, like he said, status correction, going through the process of, you know, claiming your, your ancestry. And then not only that, how to utilize it in today's world. So um, being prepared, being diligent, being disciplined, moving in truth, more, uh, most importantly, and uh, elevated and melanated gear. Make sure y'all go ahead and tap in with that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just want to say uh, thank you guys for joining us once again. You know what I'm saying? I hope you learned something from this. Hope you've got a different perspective of things. Maybe uh, American history makes a little bit more sense because uh, if you look from this, it makes a lot more sense than going halfway across the world to get millions of slaves. It's much easier to enslave people on their own land. So with that being said, we want to thank you for tuning in with us. And remember, elevation provides clarity. Peace. Peace.